Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Premier League All Access Podcast with me, Sam Matterface. Alongside me as usual, we've got Talk Sports Chief Football Correspondent Alex Crook and FA Cup winner Scott Minto. Right, let's get into it. I think when we look back at Paul Pogba, we'll see a player who didn't fulfil his talent, which sounds a little bit ridiculous when you consider that he won the World Cup. But I think this is someone who should have won multiple major trophies should have won the Champions League should have won the, the Ballon d'Or should still be playing now at the peak of his powers when Marcus Rashford I believe is a genuinely good person but actually he's been led down or allowed himself or he's not been able to look up to good examples good leaders good captains good culture ever the optimist Crook can you give us a reasonable argument for Manchester United winning this game absolutely not the biggest issue is the next manager you know, the last thing they would want is Jurgen Klopp to go because he truly believes in them. We spoke, Sam, didn't we, about the, the, the bottle that Jurgen Klopp had and the belief he had when it was nil-nil on 90 minutes in a cup final. Don't talk about turning corners in Chelsea just and Manchester United. They don't, every time they turn a corner, it's into a cul-de-sac. Midweek FA Cup action, Manchester United and Chelsea just about squeaking through. Um, Scott, you were at uh, were you at Leeds? Were you on Tuesday uh, on Wednesday? Were you watching that Chelsea Leeds game? No, I was at uh, Kenilworth Road on Tuesday uh, to watch. Oh, yes, yes, uh, I saw you there. Yeah, put five past uh, Luton, and look, I felt really bad actually because Rob Edwards has done an amazing job, and to see Luton being the only side really of the promoted three to have a fight of staying up, but. You don't go man-to-man, Mark, in Bielsa's style against Manchester City, the best team in the world. I felt for Mengi and a few others there as well. Yeah, Mengi in particular had a bit of a job, didn't he, trying to deal with Haaland. Uh, Elsewhere this week, Paul Popper's been banned for four years. Uh, Marcus Rashford has released a statement. We might get into that during the the Manchester City... In fact, let's do it now rather than sort of cloud our preview of the game. Uh, So you've got Pogba being banned for four years. Marcus Rashford sending out an essay about why um, he's upset. Um, First of all, what was your initial reaction to both those things? I mean, the Pogba thing is a bit sort of strange, really, isn't it? I mean, his whole career is sort of been frittered away in the last few years, ever since he, he sort of left Manchester United, some would argue halfway through his tenure there. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we look back at Paul Pogba, we'll see a player who didn't fulfil his talent, which sounds a little bit ridiculous when you consider that he won the World Cup. But I think this is someone who should have won multiple major trophies, should have won the Champions League, should have won the, the Ballon d'Or, should still be playing now at the peak of his powers for one of the top clubs in Europe. And he isn't. And uh, I think it's a very sad end to his career in many ways and it is an end to his career because he's 30 years of age now um which top club is going to take a chance on him even if he does get this ban overturned and as you know I used to get frustrated watching Paul Popper because he was such a talent but I don't think he matched that talent with application I think in some ways you can say the same about Marcus Rashford this season the Rashford essay as you called it didn't really strike a chord with me I think if he genuinely believes that he's being unfairly criticized that would be more worrying than the fact his form has dropped off so badly from last season. <laughs> he's not playing well. And if he, th- if he thinks he is, then he's deluded. And again, it's not about missing chances. It's not about the fact he's not scoring goals. It's about the fact often he's not seen to put a shift in. And that's what fans can't abide. 
Well, that's also true, isn't it, though? The 29 games so far this season, the Champions League and the Premier League, five goals and only a handful of assists, four, I think. It's a goal every 455 minutes, which last season is, I mean, when you compare it to last season, Scott, it is night and day. And that's before you even get to the effort. I mean, you look at someone like Connor Bradley. He's got eight goal, eight assists already this season. He's a right back. And he's about sort of 16 years of age and he's plays less than 400 minutes. He obviously shows a little bit more desire on the ball as well. Do you, I mean, is Marcus Rashford lashing out here because he feels he is being picked on or is he justifying what is, you know, a little bit of unfair attention? How do you view it? Well, I think it's probably from his point of view, a, a bit of both. I mean, you know, in terms of the written piece, I think it was about 90% of him as a kid and 10% of the here and now. And he wants to show what he went through to play for United. But it should be the other way around. You show your commitment for United by what you do the here and now. You know, I, I remember being in the, the, the studio with Hugh a, a few weeks ago and we touched on it. And he, he's 26 years old now. He's not a kid. He's a Manchester boy. He's a United fan. He's done what he's done for the deprived kids. And that's absolutely amazing. But this football team now needs leaders. He signed a massive contract, both in terms of salary and, and length. He needs to be one of those to be setting an example to the young lads at the club. And he owes it to the fans. But what I would say in defence of him is being a footballer, you're, you're in such a bubble. You know, he's been told since he was broken into the first team, probably since he was 11 or 12 that he's the best thing since sliced bread. You're a good-looking superstar, arguably the, the biggest club in the world, where the culture has stank for years. It must be really hard for someone like him to keep your feet on the ground. It takes an incredibly grounded person to, to keep your feet on the ground and not get your head turned. And this where, is where I feel it's really important to have good people around you. You know, his family might not know exactly how to deal with it. I know his brother is his agent. I think that needs to change. He needs to step up and say, I need to listen to people who might actually say something I don't want to hear. But if it's constructive criticism, then I have to go with it. And, I, and I, I'll tell you what as well. I mean, the penny needs to drop. I genuinely believe that this is a year where England will win the Euros. We've got no Brazil. We've got no Argentina. I do think it's a two-horse race. And I think we've learned a lot from the past three tournaments we were the better team against France and Jude Bellingham has now become world class. He will never, ever forgive himself if he's not part of the team that can be the, just the second group of people to win a major tournament for the England men's side. When he, If he's fit and firing, he's playing on the left. Him, Saka, Kane, uh, Bellingham, maybe even Foden as well. If he's not, and at the moment, I wouldn't even have him on the plane. So these next few months are absolutely crucial for him. Um, is there a wider problem here crook and that is the cult of personality pogba rashford they almost believe that they they've got to sort of live up to an expectation of of some sort of superstardom where if you speak to pep guardiola and you ask him about erling Haaland, for example or you ask him about kevin de bruyne two genuine superstars of the game who have who have delivered on more than an, an irregular basis the fact is, is that he will immediately start, after saying how great they are, bring it back to the team. And that's the key thing here, isn't it? It's about what you do for your team. It's what you do within the framework of the team. The team has to come first. The superstardom and the accolades will follow as a result of the achievements of the team. Because ultimately, that is how you elevate yourself to that over-impressive level, that that top A-lister level, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think it backs up a lot of what Scott was saying there about life choices, about the people that you surround yourselves with. When Marcus Rashford started out, his aim wasn't, I don't think, to become a superstar. It was to become a, a top-level player at Manchester United, the club that he supported all his life. I was at the game, actually, when he scored twice on his Premier League debut against Arsenal. It came up on my... Um, Facebook memories earlier this week. I took my daughter and it, you look at Marcus Rashford then and he just played the game with sheer joy. You know, that that boyhood, almost un unbelievable unbelievability that he was there at Old Trafford scoring two goals against Arsenal. And I think in some ways he needs to get back to basics. Enjoy being a footballer again. Enjoy playing for Manchester United. Do his bit for the team. He would probably argue he, he carried the team last season with his goals. You know, and I think he'd have a point, but he certainly hasn't done it this this season. 
but but that's the job, isn't it? You know, that is what he is supposed to do. And and my argument is 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 not necessarily that he wants to become a superstar, but his job is to deliver for the team, right? So if you deliver for the team, that's that's what it's all about. It's about delivering for the team. No yeah. one criticizes you. No one writes an article about you. No one follows you to Belfast. No one cares where you go out if you are delivering for your football team. It's when you're not delivering over a long period of time, people start looking at you and going, why are you not delivering? We've had a lot of conversations on this podcast asking the question, what is wrong with Marcus Rashford? That has gone on for far too long. Because it has gone on for so long, people were looking for reasons behind it. And then they start asking those questions. I don't think he can be surprised if you only scored five goals all season and you're a striker for Manchester United and Manchester United are floundering, I don't think you can be surprised that people are asking questions. I don't think anyone's casting dispersions on him. I don't think anyone's really sort of sort of tried to, to do him, in a sense, if that makes any sense. I, I think, actually, people just... Some of us, some of us, and I'm, I'll count myself as one of them, really want him to be very good. Agreed. Really we're yeah. desperate for him to be very, very good. And can see that he's not living up to that potential. Yeah, but sorry, Cricky. You know, you're absolutely right. But we none of us can actually understand what it's like being Marcus Rashford. And when you're being sort of thrown something off the field, whether it be commercial deals, whether it be trying to help society, you know, with the biggest club in the, in the biggest club in the world. Um, where the culture has stank for many years, where he, if he'd have come through the rank in sort of 92, I don't think he'd have this problem at all. Because Fergie was there, Roy Keane was there, and that culture was there. So is this a Manchester United problem? Yes, absolutely. It's a Marcus Rashford problem first and foremost, because it's Marcus Rashford. But it's also a Manchester United problem. And this is something that we've spoken about you know, how many of the how many managers are these players going to go through? And Marcus Rashford, I believe, is a generally good person. But actually, he's been led down or allowed himself or he's not been able to look up to good examples, good leaders, good captains, good culture. And what I would say is playing football is very different to playing professional football with the pressures that it brings. Now, you've got to be able to deal with that. I'm not trying to give any kind of sob story in any kind of way. It's the best life in the world, the best job in the world. But the pressures of being a professional footballer at a club like Manchester United are, are, are greater than, than anything else, and certainly than playing 15-, 16-year-old, 17-year-old kid in the youth team and breaking into the first team. Like, with, you know, we'll be talking about Liverpool right now. Once you're there and you're there for a period of time, it becomes harder mentally. He's not a kid, though. He's not a kid. He's no. twenty-six. He's been, around, he's been around for a long time, that, and that's the whole point. The fact is, he should have adapted. Ultimately, he has to take responsibility for for his for his own decisions. And the tone of the article is that that he gets unfair stick. I'd go the other way, and, and I'm I'm in the Sam camp, by the way. He knows this. My, my uh, eldest boy has Marcus Rashford as a role model. Uh, I celebrated more than anyone in the stadium when he scored that free kick at the World Cup last year because of my lad and because I want Marcus Rashford to do well. I think what he did off the pitch during the pandemic was absolutely incredible. I think he's been protected. He's been protected by a lot of Manchester United fans. He's been protected by Eric Ten Hag more than any other player in that dressing room. And I don't think he's rewarded his manager's faith. So he's not been given unfair criticism. Far from it. He's, he's, actually, he's, he's, actually, he's actually been given a free pass, probably for too long. And can I make myself 100% clear here? He needs to sort this out. I'm not giving him an excuse. I'm just giving a reason as to why we are where we are, where I believe we are with Marcus Rashford. He needs to step up and say to himself, again, I go around the, pe- the people who I listen to. I, whatever you say about Eric Ten Hag, he may not be the guy that will take uh, United to be where Fergie took them. But I do believe he's got the basic principles right. And if he was able to listen to Ten Hag rather than the people around him and get you know, that that sort of sulkiness away, then I genuinely believe we can get back to the Marcus Rashford because that's what we want. We all want to get Marcus Rashford to be where he was when he first came into professional football. I was commentating in the night. He made his debut against FC Midtjylland. Um, and uh, I remember sitting in the, in the stand and I was with my producer and the teams came out and um, he was in the lineup and at, ready for the anthem of the Europa League anthem as it was at the time. And um, I, I looked over and went, 
he's not supposed to be there because it was a late change, wasn't he? I think, I think he was, Martial was injured. So he was a late change, like in the warm-up, he came into the team and he scored. It was fantastic. The place went off the roof. And then I was at the Arsenal game, live on Talk Sport, and he scored again. And, you know, his career went absolutely off. Now that night, I went out to a trampoline park in Trafford. This is a true story. Went out to a trampoline park in Trafford with my kids and he was there with his mates at the trampoline park. That sort of youthful innocence was 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 amazing to see. Do you know, this was a kid that just starred for Manchester United. And like the kids were like, Can we have a pitch? And I was like, No, leave him alone. He's like literally 17, 18 years of age. He doesn't want to be bothered. He's at a trampoline park. He does not want to be bothered at this stage. Let, let him go and chill out. Uh, because he's, you know, it was it was so new to him. I mean, who goes to a Trafford uh, trampoline park when you've just scored the winner twice for Manchester United? Never happens. It probably will never happen again. Anyway, let's move on because certainly Manchester United need some sort of bounce if they're to beat Manchester City this weekend. to Manchester. It's a rivalry that has never lacked for spice or intrigue. And Haaland is away and he's finished it brilliantly. Fergie once went on record as saying that for Manchester Derby City would never be favourites in his lifetime. Well that has completely turned around. Foden makes it Manchester United nil, Manchester City three. Not only are they miles away from Manchester City, they're miles away from Aston Villa. Erling Haaland has another hat-trick. City are hammering United. Players are ready for it. Players are looking forward to it. I can smell it. It's what it is. Rashford puts it home. And Manchester United have turned it around. A little bit of special. Of course it is. But at the end, you have to be focused in, in a football game. Ring that bell. It's the champion in one corner and the one-time great in the other. Well, of course, two weeks ago, uh, we got that famous... Um, batch of text messages from Crook telling us that United are going to finish in the top four. So, ever the optimist, Crook, can you give us a reasonable argument for Manchester United winning this game? Absolutely not. Okay. Um, Scott, um, <laughs> I, I mean, no one believes that they can win this match and most people think they're going to get hammered. Is that an unreasonable viewpoint to have? Look, I think when you when you watch, as I did, Manchester City midweek and put six past Luton and it really could have been double figures and then you watch United scrape their way through at the City ground, I, I can completely understand that. I, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think City will win and I think they'll win pretty comfortably. I don't think they'll win by more than two or three. But that what does that tell you about Manchester United in the first place that most people are saying could be four or five? I'm saying, well, I actually think it'll only be two or three. Again, you talk about cultures. You know, this is just yin and yang between these two, United and City. United, you know, in a, in a really bad place right now. We're talking about Ten Hag trying to instill the 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 ethics and the work ethic and the belief um, that really I think Sir Alex Ferguson had. But, you know, he's on trial to the end of the season against Pep Guardiola, one of, if not the greatest manager ever. So it was interested me that he, he picked a really strong side in the Luton game, which I think goes to show exactly how much he wanted to nail the FA Cup and get that done early. Luton came back, obviously, to 3-2, but then they went, right, we're going to second gear now. Look, I, I think I think City, yeah, I, I can't justify how United are going to get out of this. and It's almost a question of just trying to keep it to nil-nil as long as possible. Um, Harlem was absolutely terrific in midweek. I, I was, and and this combination with De Bruyne was just absolutely telepathic. And I said it after the first goal when I was commentating in midweek, and uh, then I sort of went back and, and during the game actually found out how many goals they'd sort of worked together in. And it's only about sort of well, now it, it was at that time only thirteen. It's now seventeen. Um, <laughs> but out of eighty goals, it doesn't sound that much, but actually. It is quite a lot, really, isn't it? For one person to provide that many assists for someone's goals, bearing in mind 10, 15 of those probably would have been penalties as well. Um, Manchester United, obviously, without um, Rasmus Hoyland, how difficult is that going to be for them to come up with a way of scoring a goal against Manchester City, who have been quite leaky? Yeah, they have uh, found clean sheets hard to come by. And obviously, we were at the reverse game at Old Trafford when United... Had some chances. Hoyland wasn't firing at that point and missed, I remember, at least one really good opportunity to put United in front before City scored. But it's very difficult, is the answer, because United don't have 
an alternative to Rasmus Hoyland. They don't, they don't have another player on their books who who does what he does, who, who leads the line, who's, who holds the ball up so well. They don't have another player in that attack at the moment who puts in the shift that Rasmus Hoyland does. And again, that comes back to the, the Marcus Rashford conversation. He's going to have to work a lot harder than he did against Forrest in midweek if United are going to have any chance of getting any joy. I think Kobe Mainu will come back into to midfield. That's obviously going to be a, a key area, and I'd suggest that's why he was rested against Forrest in midweek. But it, it, are United going to outscore Man City? Can they score? Yes. Can they outscore Manchester City? The answer is no. I do think if Rashford's at it, then his pace could cause a problem for that back line, but not enough of a problem. Well, he has done it in the past. And then, you know, their best, their best way of operating in this game is to try and suck up as much pressure as possible and then try and hit on the counter-attack. That's always been the modus operandi whenever they've played Manchester City. Uh, but they've got, well, they had a very patched up back line in midweek, didn't they? Amrabat played at full back. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how they end up uh, making up that defence when they go against the, the best attacking team or one of the best attacking teams in the country. Can't say the best attacking uh, team in the country because that's clearly Liverpool. Liverpool have got uh, the be- the most amount of goals in Europe's top five leagues. Must be great for you, Crook, to hear that, um, that Liverpool <laughs> and, and Manchester City are the two best teams in the in the, in the the continent, really. And come you've got on, that, that, that huge quarterfinal to come as well, haven't you? I bet you're looking forward to coming up to Manchester for that. Are you going to come up to that one for us? And I don't know about for for us, but I'm aiming to try and get a ticket. I think it's I think it's a great game, isn't it? It's a great occasion. I think there's every chance that you could win that one if they, if they if they play the reserve team. I'd like to be there as a fan, and you're right. Do you know what? It, it, it doesn't fill me with trepidation because I think if if Liverpool don't go as strong as they would do in a league game, then in a one-off occasion in a cup tie, I think United have got a chance. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion United lose that quarter-final. Bold claim. And why would they? And why would they not go strong in that game? Sorry, go, why would they go full strength in that game? They've only got an international break following, so you know it's not like they need to, 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 to play all their big stars or anything. Uh, let's get stuck into the best of uh, the rest of Saturday's action, starting at the city ground. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Premier League is that you never give up hope, you never lose belief. How on earth did Dejan Kulisevsky squeeze that in from a tight angle? Comes to IU and he shoots to the far corner and drills it brilliantly past Jordan Pickford. I'm no magician, I'm not David Copperfield. You can grow with your challenges and it's a challenge. It's a challenge for me, it's a challenge for all of us. Sheffield United should probably have got a point out of it, but missed too many chances. Full time at Molyneux, Wolves 1, Sheffield United 0. Oh, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful from Bukayo Saka. He twisted, he turned, he got it onto his left foot and he arrowed the ball into the corner. The title race is hotter than it has been for a while. We are right in the mix and and we want to continue to to be there. The heat is on. Nottingham Forest against Liverpool this weekend as uh, the title challengers um, get into the thick of the action. They go first this week, Liverpool, because um, Arsenal playing on Monday Night Live on Talk Sport in our Monday Night Football. And Liverpool's kids certainly got the job done in midweek. I was there 
on Wednesday night. They made to sweat by Southampton in the first half. I thought Southampton were really good and they deserve a lot of praise, actually, for their bravery on the ball. And they are going to get undone sometimes when playing out like that, especially they themselves made eight changes in that game. But Scott and I talked about this last week. The strength of that, that group, that young group that are coming through, the character of that group, the fact that they turn up at Anfield at four days after they've won a cup final and Jaden Dans produces a finish like that. I mean, Scott, he's 18 years of age. I mean, that's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, the poise and the composure in front of the cop when your team need a goal, you're played through mm. one-on-one and you just delicately chip it over the top of Joe Lumley. I mean, that's impressive, isn't it? Am I going? Am I getting a little bit excited about this kid? I mean, I've, I've no. seen him quite a lot over the course of the last few weeks and, and mainly because I did a bit of research beforehand, saw him in the youth team and I thought the quality of his finishes would be good. But I think he's going to be stellar. No, I, I don't think you are going over the top, although we do need to be careful, don't we? Um, we've just been talking about Marcus Rashford and he, how he'd probably love to be 18 again. Um, you know, so we, we, we absolutely can say what we see. I mean, in terms of the game itself, what, what were the six players, 21 or under against Southampton? So one, that's a lot of youngsters to be thrown in at the same time at Anfield. And two, there was always going to be a little bit of it after the Lord Mayor's show. So um, you know, Southampton will be kicking themselves. They, they had good few chances before the first goal went in. But you look at the youngsters that they've got, you know, and and, and a few of them have got some very good people to uh, speak to and rely on. You know, again, I you know talk about Marcus Rashford and the people around him. You look at Jaden Dans with his dad, Louis Comas, uh, Kumas with his dad, and Bobby Clark with his old man, a guy I played with in the under-21s, Lee Clark. You know, I just think, again, the culture here, is, is just superb what Liverpool, what Jurgen Klopp have done. And the biggest problem for me is they've got massive futures ahead of them, whether it's with Liverpool or in the Premier League or we'll have to wait and see. You know, can they carry on this talent with hard work when all this sort of glam, glitz and glamour come as well? But the, the biggest issue is the next manager. You know, the last thing they would want is Jurgen Klopp to go because he truly believes in them. We spoke, Sam, didn't we, about... The, the bottle that Jurgen Klopp had and the belief he had when it was nil-nil on 90 minutes in a cup final to put these amount of youngsters on the pitch and say, no, I have faith in them as if they're senior pros is nothing short of sensational. So brilliant they've got through, quadruple still on. Um, OK, let's talk about Shaboslai, uh, Nunez and Salah. They look set to return in some capacity this weekend. Now the cup games are sort of over. Does it mean that they are actually looking forward to getting ready for that Manchester City game? I think you get them back in this weekend, get the job done against Nottingham Forest and then get them up and ready in full speed by the time they then play Manchester City crook. Yeah, I think that will be the plan. And actually I think it's been a pleasant surprise for Jurgen Klopp. I don't think he could have envisaged that the kids would do as well as they have done in these last two games. Cause you just don't know when you throw youngsters in. And obviously it wasn't part of the plan necessarily at the start of the season, but circumstances lent itself to it. And it's been fantastic. You know, we picked him out in the cup final. He only played half an hour, but the boy Downs looks a real prospect. But I think the big hitters will come back in for this game. And that's bad news for Forrest. I wasn't overly impressed with Forrest in the cup in midweek. I've got to say, having spoken about the fact that they'll probably be okay in terms of relegation because they've got goals in the team. I think it looked a bit light up front. You know, I mean, they had opportunities against that Manchester United backline, and they they just never looked like they were going to score. So I think that's a problem. Uh, despite the fact that Nuno's stats are pretty good since he came in, I, I just it's hard to see where Forest are going to pick up their wins. Certainly, certainly not in this game. Uh, I, I fancy Liverpool, and even though they don't keep too many clean sheets, I fancy Liverpool to win to nil. Yeah, I think Liverpool should be feeling as if this is another game that they knock over on. on on their run towards the title. And listen, if they want to win the title, they have to beat Nottingham Forest away from home. They have to win it basically every match um, between now and the end of the season. And then when they have that big game against Manchester City, they've got to somehow keep them at at arm's length. Um, Forest maybe will be sitting there thinking, what is next for us? Because they would have looked at the Everton situation, Everton getting points back in the week. They know themselves that they've got a little bit of the old guillotine hanging over them. They don't know what's coming their way. And if you look at the way that Everton responded to their initial points deduction, it was quite positive. But then when things started to drag on, they started to, I don't know, constrict a little bit and play with a bit of fear. I wonder whether or not that will start happening to to Nottingham Forest when they start to realise that actually, 
you know, their future is uncertain because the closer they get to that relegation zone, and Luton, let's be fair, have done a, a remarkable job in making sure that there is an actual relegation race here this season, Scott. Um, I wonder whether or not that, that sort of is in the back of their mind and is slowly but surely coming to the forefront. Well, if it is, they need to put it right to the back because they cannot afford to look too far ahead. And it is the old cliche, one game at a time. I mean, you look at their games in March, Liverpool at home, Brighton away, tough. Then you've got Luton away and Palace at home. I mean, that's a big, big month for them, isn't it? And I'm with Crookie. You know, you look at them on paper in terms of, well, they've got goals, you know, and um, Origi came in for hudson Adoy. So you think they've got options on the bench as well, but they were toothless against Manchester United. So where on paper they do have goals, it's very, very worrying. And again, where last season, you know, their home form was absolutely key. They've only won four games this season. They've lost more than they've won. So this is going to be a very tough game. I'm going to be at the City Ground actually for Talk Sport. It's a game I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'll be on there with Adrian. Um, It's just a massive game at top and bottom. For Liverpool's point of view, they have to win. They have to keep that gap as big as possible. They're playing first. Um, but for, for Forest, they somehow need to find a draw. But again, I agree with you guys. You know, I, I can't see how Forest are going to get anything out of this because they're not clinical enough and Liverpool are. Um, massive week for Everton as well. We mentioned that they got their points back up to 15th in the table, five clear of the drop zone now, having been deducted uh, 10 points and now that being reduced to six. After the decision, Sean Dyche says that he's happy to get the points back, but he did want more. Yeah, I think we're pleased that we've got something back, obviously. Um, you're always, you know, you're always greedy, aren't you? Want more. Um, but no, I think it's, you know, the the points that the club made forward have obviously been listened to um, and we've got the four points back. So we'll take that. And now, of course, it brings clarity to the situation, which I think is good for us. It's good for the players, but I think it's good for all, actually. Do you think this galvanises um, Everson Crook? Yeah, I think it did, as you said. Initially, when they had the points taken away, I think they've got a real opportunity now to pull clear of danger. It's a nice little gap as a result of getting those four points back. So I think it will. Again, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily help Dominic Calvert-Lewin work out where the goal is again. And it's a big problem for Everton in terms of that, that lack of lack of a goal scorer. But they were decent against Brighton in the game that I watched last weekend. I think the boy Bramthwaite is going to be a genuine superstar. I think defensively, they're quite strong. They don't concede too many goals, particularly in the first half. So I think they're going to grind out results between now and the end of the season. I think they'll be absolutely fine. Obviously, depending on what happens with the second charge. But again, speaking to people at Goodison Park, they're fairly bullish that because... 75% of this second charge has already been covered off with the initial charge that if they do get a point deduction this time around, it'll be minimal. Yeah, but even minimal is, is not helpful, is it? I mean, to be deducted eight points, let's just speculate, over the course of the season, is not an easy thing to deal with. And if they do get away with staying in the Premier League, then Sean Dice deserves a lot of credit. I think he deserves a lot of credit anyway because of the way he's handled himself and handled the team, a team that has been limited Great. in terms of its investment and the quality of the players that he's got there to, to deal yeah. with. They take on West Ham United this weekend, who finally picked up a win in 2024. Um, and I suppose no shock, really, Scott, that it coincided with the return of Lucas Bagatar to the team. Yeah, absolutely. He's a, he's a big, big player. And it, it helps when you go 2 the up in the first 10 minutes as well, doesn't it? But you know, from <laughs> the word go, they were going at it. And uh, I, I think that's what the fans a little want bit. Because Brentford <laughs> exactly. sort of come back into it, didn't they? You were like, hold on a second, they're not going to throw it away, surely. Well, it wouldn't be West Ham without it being a little bit tops and turvy within the game. Um, it is what it is. But absolutely, Pakatar, massive. Jared Bowen, who I don't think is a striker, but is doing a great job up there um, and should be on the plane if he carries on doing, doing what he's doing uh, for the Euros. I think he's absolutely sensational. Not the tallest, it's not his natural position. And yet he, he gets a hat-trick here as well. So um, I think it was a big win for Moisey. I think just to keep the walls and the doors uh, for the short term until the next game anyway. But I, I think, again, that's what all West Ham fans want to see. They just want to see an attacking start. And if they lose a game, I think they can handle that. Interesting. I'm going to send you um, my list that I sent the, the boys yesterday, which was pick your 23. Um, because... I, I, I couldn't believe when I did it, when I sort of worked out how many players were eligible for England and how many were contenders to be in the squad, I was like, actually, do you know what? 
this is the hardest decision ever to get it down to 23. It's very, very difficult. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're saying that Bowen's got to be on the plane, that means there's big decisions elsewhere about who you leave out. So you know, maybe we'll sort of do that as a little threesome here. I'll send you the, the, the list. You did sportingly include Jaden Sancho on that list as well, which um, I think might be a tad ambitious. I did as many eligible players as I thought could get into the squad. Scott Minto was there, wasn't he? In the left back position. <laughs> Or a bit of light in that area, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) But what I would say is, at this moment in time, and as much as I've tried to not defend Marcus Rashford, but at least reason where his mindset is, I'd have Bowen in front of Rashford right now. Um, Let's go to um, Brentford against Chelsea. West London derby between two struggling sides. Brentford on a run of 12 defeats in 15 Premier League games. Chelsea, you never know what you are going to get. Uh, Ivan Toney. Has he had the impact that you would have expected him to have when he came back? He had an initial spurt when he returned from his betting ban. Uh, but um, has he lived up to the expectation that you thought he was going to deliver? I mean, I think he's done all right, actually, since he's come back. I mean, he was always going to start well and then maybe just sort of flounder a little bit as it, it sort of caught up with him being back in the first team. I think the reason that producer Jeremy has, has, has put that in the running order is because we, we did the game on, on Monday night and it was probably, um, as Chris Perry, my co-commentator, said, the worst you've ever seen Ivan Tony play. You know, he, he seemed to lack energy. His touch was poor. Apart from one header later on, he made very little contribution in the mm. penalty area. So he was disappointing on Monday night. But I think overall, you have to say he's, 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 his goal return after being away for so long is decent. But they were... They were bad, Brentford. You know, four-two flattered them on Monday night, and defensively again, they were all over the shop. Rico Henry, I think, is is still a massive, a massive loss at left back. He's changed the whole dynamic of that back line, and it, and if Chelsea, if Chelsea are on song, and you, you never quite know what you're going to get from Chelsea, then I think they have some joy against that Brentford back line. I think this game guarantees goals, doesn't it? Because Brentford can't defend. Chelsea aren't particularly great in that area either. Difficult to pick a winner. Brentford trying to do the double over Chelsea for the first time since Scott was born back in 1939. I think it's a bigger game. It's a bigger game for Brentford than it is for Chelsea. And I wonder if that might just get them over the line in a high-scoring contest. High-scoring contest. Chelsea had an XG of 2.34 against Liverpool on uh, Liverpool's kids on uh, Sunday in the Cup final and didn't score a goal. Um, so, well, I don't know. Um <laughs> You never know with Chelsea. I mean, they're always on song, um, Scott. It's whether or not they're in tune or not, which is the big uh, issue, isn't it? <laughs> oh, absolutely, mate. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say here. I, I, I've, I've no idea. I'll, I'll sit and I'll watch and I'll hope that they um, go on and do it. I remember actually that I did the game for Talk Sport at Stamford Bridge and I think it was a couple of weeks before there, or games before then, they'd done really well and they'd been asked the question, okay, is this it? Are they going to crack on now? And I said, well, let's see. And then they lose to Brentford at home. And they were very Told good you. in the first half. Don't with... talk about turning corners in Chelsea just and Manchester exactly. United. They don't, every time exactly. they turn a corner, it's into a cul-de-sac. Exactly. So <laughs> very soon, probably after that game, whenever I've been asked, because there's been little spurts in Chelsea, I've said, don't know, don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But I agree with Crookie. And by the way, Brentford sleepwalking towards the drop zone. If yep. Luton pick up a couple of wins, they're in trouble. There's no doubt about it. I do think they'll be okay, but they could do... I agree with Crookie. This is a bigger game, believe it or not, for Brentford than it is for Chelsea. Yeah, I wonder whether or not... I mean, Matthew Benham's trying to sell the club, I think. He wants 400 million quid for them. I mean, that can only be because of the, the real estate of the stadium and because of the fact that they're in the Premier League that he's asking for so much because not many Premier League clubs go for that that sort of dollar when you think that, I mean, what Everton, well, I don't know what Everton's price is, but it's not much more uh, than that. Um, but listen, good luck to him if he can get it. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's a, he's a, he's a particularly good businessman, is Matthew uh, Benham. Um, I, I would worry about that Chelsea midfield, Ampadu, who Chelsea got rid of in the summer, had a brilliant game against them on uh, Wednesday night. And Moises Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez again, looked a little bit lost. I just don't think that blend works particularly well. Um, Mudrick played quite well in the game, but, you know, again, the best player on the pitch is always Gallagher. Why don't you just use him from the start? I know everyone goes, oh, he's not got the quality. Well, he actually, he has. He has. He shows signs of that quality. And he is a good player. And anyone who doubted him at the beginning of the season, Alex Crook, um, is probably, in their words now, 
Are you are you are backtracking a little bit on Gallagher? You actually said to me the other day, I'm backtracking a bit on Gallagher. It's got nothing to do with the fact that I'm mates with his agent or anything. You did, yeah. I'm starting <laughs> to warm to him, you said. Uh, let's get on to the rest of Saturday's action, now starting in North London. Uh, Crystal Palace go to Tottenham Hotspur live on TalkSport 2 this Saturday. Spurs will be well rested because uh, two weeks since their defeat to Wolves. So plenty of time to fix things. Um, Richarlison a bit of a doubt, but I hear a doggy is going to be fit, Scott. And we know how important left fullbacks are. And he's certainly important. Absolutely, Sam. Being one yourself, um, you know exactly how important they are as well. But no, look, I have to say, I, I think he's arguably been the best left back in the Premier League. And I think he gives so much going forward. And defensively, apart from that one game, where was it, Crookie? Was it was it the Brentford game where he was involved in all five yeah. goals? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, but he he is very good, and he's very important to what you know. There's a certain style, obviously, that Ange wants to play, but you need athletes to be playing that way, and for him to come in, I think that's a big boost for Spurs. Um, what about Spurs? Five behind Villa with a game in hand. They play each other on March the tenth. Will that be a straight shootout for fourth? I mean, I think if Manchester United lose this weekend and Aston Villa win, the gap is 11 points. I'm not even going to ask the question of uh, Manchester United still got a shot until we get to Monday because I don't, I don't want Crook to go off on one again. Let's talk about Tottenham because <laughs> this is what we're talking about now. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur and Aston Villa in the next couple of weeks, but they've got to make sure they get there with their record intact because Crystal Palace, galvanised under a new manager, we know that Tottenham aren't perfect. They can concede goals. You know, this isn't this isn't a foregone conclusion. It would have been two weeks ago. No, it isn't, especially when you look at Tottenham's recent form, particularly at home. Scott's mentioned that the Brentford game, they had to come from behind to win that. They needed a very late goal to beat Brighton. And then, of course, they lost at home to Wolves. And that wasn't smash and grab from Wolves. They were outplayed. And, and Ange Postacoglu got tactically done over by Gary O'Neill. So I think this is a big game. Obviously, Palace... Excellent start under Oliver Glasner. You couldn't pick a better team to play in your first game, but you still have to beat what's in front of you, and they did that. So this this could be tricky. I expect Tottenham to win. I think they need to win, because I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago when I was trying to make a case for United, gate crashing the top four, which clearly won't happen now. But Spurs running is tricky. They've got some difficult games. And at the moment, having again, you're going to accuse me of flip-flopping because I've backed Spurs all season and finishing the top four. I just feel like the momentum is, is back with Aston Villa again. Oh, here he goes. Get them on. Come on, <laughs> flip-flop boy. Oh, we love it. I, I'm going to go. I, listen, I've said Aston Villa will finish in the top four since Christmas, and I'm sticking with that. Tottenham can see too many goals for me. That's the biggest issue uh, that they've got. Um, and they will. All, there's always, they can play brilliantly. They always come up with goals. They always create something. They'll be entertaining, but they will always have a result where you go, ah, shouldn't have lost that game. And that's the problem for Tottenham Hotspur. And that's why they won't finish in the top four. In my opinion, anything can change. Scott? I, I actually will go the other way. I I, I hear you. Um, I agree with what you're saying. But I also do think, and I, and I agree that this, you know, must win games are sort of thrown, abandoned about easily. But if Villa do win at Luton, obviously they're playing a, a afterwards, then the gap would be absolutely massive. But I've and gone and for it is Tottenham if, since It Christmas. is if. It is if that game is not a foregone conclusion because no, it's not. I think I think Villa win at Luton. I, I well, think, I think we'll you, see. you look at Luton's recent form. Where they lost the last three in the Premier League. They were battered in the cup in midweek. Don't look at that one midweek. I, like, I think this. I think this is a good time to play Luton. Hey, bulldozer, bulldozer. We weren't saying that it was going to be a Luton victory. If you listened rather than just going wading in, go, yeah, yeah, I know what's going to happen. We were saying <laughs> it's not a foregone conclusion. That means well, I think we're not a hundred percent certain of the result. I am. But, I think Villa win. Okay, let's 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 put a pound on Luton. Thank you. We point. weren't asking, um, but thank you. Thank <laughs> the Crystal Palace, no, Tottenham. I, I do think it's a must-win game because they've got to stay close to Villa. You know, they do have that game in hand, but I just think Villa will go all the way in Europe, and I think that will affect them. I think they'll drop points. Where you wouldn't necessarily expect it, so I'm I'm going to go with Spurs. Scott, they're in the, Isn't the game in hand against Liverpool as well. Is the game in hand against Liverpool? Yeah, they're in the Conference League. Aston Villa in the Conference League. That's not it's not the most taxing, is it? They can make changes for that. No disrespect. Still, with all that travelling, mate. I hear you. I hear. You. We can have Talk a cheeky little bit if you want. 
no, I'm all right. Um, Newcastle uh, do a lot of travelling. They take on Wolves this weekend. They're making hard work of their midweek tie uh, at Blackburn, didn't they, in midweek? But they kept up their faint chances of silverware alive and Europe uh, with that penalty shootout win and then drew Manchester City. Cheers for that. I mean, Eddie Howe was literally <laughs> sweating on the sidelines trying to get through this, this game against Blackburn. Got through, was relieved, then got into the dressing room, had a little sleep, got up, then realised they got Man City in the quarterfinal. Away <laughs> from home. Oh, I mean, can you imagine? This is the worst possible draw ever. Um, the performance against uh, Arsenal last time out, Scott and I were there, was nothing short of abysmal. And I spoke to, I spoke to Eddie Howe actually after the game, and he was shell-shocked, Scott. Uh, he was shell-shocked. They mm. concede far too many goals. Wolverhampton Wanderers are a very well-organised, very well-drilled team. And this is a fascinating encounter between two people who know each other very, very well. These two were in the dressing room back in the day, 20 years ago, at Portsmouth. They've kept in touch. Obviously, Gary succeeded, one or two removed. Eddie down at Bournemouth. They know (laughs) the same people. We all know the same people. We're all still in touch with one another from back in the day. This is... This is a very intriguing little tie between two great people and two—I don't know—I I would two teams that are at very different ends of the form scale. So, so is this a bit like, say, if you took charge of a team and Crookie took charge of a team that you'd know each other so well and each other's tactics? Not quite, not quite. It's almost a little bit like if um, I suppose it's actually a little bit like if. Crook took charge of a team and you took charge of a team. <laughs> and I was sort of sitting there on the sidelines looking at, oh dear, this is bad news. I don't know who I want to win. <laughs> well, I'll take that as a compliment considering the history you two have got. But look, I mean, it is a fascinating game. And, you know, again, we've we've mentioned it loads of times about the job that Gary O'Neill has done. Nothing short of sensational when... Lopetegui left because he wasn't happy with the squads. The Wolves fans weren't happy. And look where they are now. You know, you can say, although I don't think they'll finish in, they're fighting for a European place. It's not, It's incredible. And the pressure is on Eddie Howe because, yeah, you're right. That is the worst possible uh, fixture they could have got in the FA Cup quarterfinal, Man City away, who, who you feel have every chance of doing the double treble. Um, so this game's another big one. You know, they, they, they squeak past Blackburn. They're not playing well. You mentioned the stat about Nick Pope, the amount of goals they've conceded since he's yeah, been injured. Since he's been injured, yeah. And, yeah, and, and Livermento coming in. For, can it? It can't be a no, coincidence. No, no, absolutely not. And I think it shows, sometimes you do get better when you're not in the side uh, because actually you are missed. And I think Nick Pope has got even better. But even Livermento coming in, uh, Arsenal, you know, they were just suffocated. Again, like I suppose I said about the Arsenal-Porto game, I'll forgive that one. They'll crack on, and they did. I'll forgive that one with Newcastle and put that to one side. But the Blackburn game, again, showed that they are just in, not in a good place right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if Gary O'Neill does a job on his mate. Um, Alex, do you think it's to do with the fact that one of the reasons they were so good last year at defending was the intensity... And the concentration level was so high and it was demanded by Eddie and Jason on the on, on the touchline. Trying to keep doing that with the number of injuries and the, the, the extra games that they've had to play and the extra profile that has gone with those games has drained those players and it, they aren't able to go to the well as often as they were. So therefore, that just that tiny little percentage lacking in intensity has cost them in terms of clean sheet, just getting there at the wrong time, giving opportunities away. You know what it's like Premier League's like? If you just switch off for a second, that's it, it's over. Because it's strange that their biggest asset last year, which was their defence, has become their biggest deficiency. Yeah, and I'd like to look at the running stats as well, because I think you're right, you took the word out of my mouth. Intensity isn't there this season uh, as it was Last and I guess maybe that's inevitable when you've when you've overachieved people like Big Dan Byrne who's who's had a bit of stick this season. It's a little bit unfair because he's not a left back and he, he did a brilliant job there last campaign, but it's caught up with him this season. I think he's become a real uh, weak spot. But also, if you look at the games they've played, Eddie Howe's not had an opportunity to rest players and stick the kids in because they had such a difficult Champions League group. Then they get to the FA Cup and they get Sunderland away. 
and he can't afford to rest players where I think he would against any other championship yep, side yep, yep, in yep. the third round. Then they then they get Blackburn away, and again he can't rest players because the FA Cup has become so important this season. You look at their League Cup fixtures as well against the big hitters. So I think and they've they been really beat, unlucky. They should have beat Chelsea. They should have beat yeah. Chelsea. If they do, if Almiron yeah. keeps the ball in the corner in the, at the end of that game, they beat Chelsea because they're winning one nil, and the Chelsea score a ninety six minute fluke. Uh, let's be honest. I mean, Chelsea deserved to win the game, I think, over the whole 90 minutes of that match. They had better chances. But actually, their last-minute goal comes because Almiron doesn't keep it in the corner. If they get through a League Cup quarterfinal, they're into the semi-final, anything can happen. They could, they could, have, been, they could have been there against Liverpool, couldn't they? I mean, that would have been... A, and again, it, the whole season has a different feel to it, if that is the case. No, but you, you, you've hit the nail on the head, Sam, with the intensity. And again, we talked about it, didn't we, about last season individually, everybody overachieved collectively, everybody overachieved. They may have the richest owners in the world, but they're not the richest club because of PSR. They can't go and, and make changes, as Crookie's saying, because you look to the bench and they don't have the strength in depth. And when you play that type of way, high intensity, real physical game, it will take a little bit out of you. He needs help in the transfer market. I don't know what PSR means in terms of the summer and what's going to happen, but I find it very unfair that people are questioning him with the job he's doing right now, considering actually if you think about what the reality is, not what the perception is. Okay, um, I'm off to um, Huddersfield against Leeds in the Championship tomorrow. I'm very much looking forward to that. The foothills of the Pennines. Watch a Leeds team that are playing very well. They're going for 10 out of 10 in the championship. That's live on Talk Sports 12.30 on Saturday. And then we're around the ground. Scott's involved in that 2.30 with Adrian, including uh, stuff in the Premier League in the EFL. He's at Nottingham Forest against Liverpool. Uh, Tottenham Crystal Palace is live on Talk Sport 2. And then Monday night, I'll be at Sheffield United against Arsenal on Talk Sport with Adrian and with Danny Murphy. That's it from us. We're back on Monday afternoon. In fact, me and Scott are back on Monday afternoon. <laughs> um, Crook will be lounging by a pool by then, as uh, all good chief football correspondents do in the middle of the season that is not the international break. Don't worry about it. Fine. <laughs> Absolutely fine. You crack on, fella. Uh, that's okay. Wait until uh, you find out I'm going to the Masters in April as well. Enjoy your weekend. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.